Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi everyone. How is everyone doing? I wanted to talk this week about that fearful voice in our minds. The one that says, what if this happens? Or they're going to leave me? Or maybe they're mad at me? And the one that creates those feelings of anxiety in our bodies and has us worrying and spiraling and overthinking every little thing. This is something that I have really, really struggled with myself and I actually want to be really honest and say that for anyone suffering with high levels of anxiety on a daily basis, I'm not a doctor so I can't tell you exactly what is right for you but what I can share is that from my own experience, I found that my particular brain does need a combination of both medication and mind management and coaching techniques. And the reason I wanted to say this is because I recently came off my anti-anxiety medication and I was so shocked by the difference. And now I've decided to go back onto it. Well, it's an antidepressant, um, but it's prescribed for anxiety. It's called sertraline. And I didn't want to have gone through that experience of coming off it and going back onto it and not be honest and just leave medication out of the conversation here. Because, and this isn't for everyone's brain, that's not what I'm saying, but for some people's brains, they do have a chemical imbalance going on that does impact the creation of serotonin in their brain, and that does impact the thought patterns and emotions that they experience, which can be really helped with medication, prescribed, of course, by a doctor who is able to speak to you directly and assess you and ensure that you're getting the correct medication and the correct dose that you need. For the majority of you, medication maybe won't be needed. So this isn't me pushing pills at you at all. (laughs) And I can't stress enough that even if you do go on some form of medication, maybe you're already on it, you will still need to learn to coach and manage your own mind and go to therapy or coaching to work on the unhelpful sentences in your mind. I've been on this medication for years and I still have to manage my brain. I still have to use these tools to coach myself on my insecurities and fears and question the thoughts that my brain is offering me. The tablet helps stabilize my serotonin levels, but it does not stop unhelpful thought patterns, beliefs and insecurities from ever coming up. It doesn't manage my mind for me and it will not manage yours for you either. And it's true what many and most doctors and psychologists say that medication and therapy or coaching go together and are often the perfect treatment when when used together. So if you have any questions at all about my experience with this, I'd be happy to share that with you if you want to email me or DM me on Instagram. Again, I'm not a doctor, I'm a coach, (laughs) but I'd be happy to share my personal experience with anyone who thinks they may also need some additional support other than therapy or coaching. But back to the topic of today, which is learning to parent that fearful voice in our brain. And I use the word parent because I want you to think of that voice as a scared child. 
I was being coached myself a while ago and the coach used the metaphor of my fearful voice being like a little person stood at the top of a lighthouse with a pair of binoculars, just looking out at the sea, scanning the horizon for danger. And I think really imagining that little person, maybe you think of it as your child self, maybe it's a little character that you come up with, whatever works for you. But just acknowledging that there's a little voice in your brain whose mission in life is to spot danger. That's really important. When your brain is doing this, it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or that you're broken in some way. It actually means your brain is working perfectly. (laughs) This part of the brain is what's kept us alive as a species. Back in the caveman days when starvation and predators were weighted around every corner, that little voice was the thing responsible for your survival for our survival as a species. Being able to spot danger and being hypervigilant was useful and served us. But in modern day society, this kind of hypervigilance is no longer required. Yes, of course, there are still situations for many of us where our survival is threatened and we need to act fast. We need to act in order to keep ourselves safe and alive. But for the majority of the moment where our brains are freaking out and spiraling, We are not actually in any physical danger. We're safe. We're in our homes with food and shelter. And we're just maybe waiting for a text back. Or we're trying to work out if somebody else likes us. (laughs) Or if someone's rejecting us. And I laugh and that's not me mocking or downplaying the emotional experience we're feeling. We feel very, very anxious and very afraid. But reminding that primitive part of the brain that that is just on hypervigilant mode 24-7, that you are in fact safe, that you are okay, you're in a safe environment, is really important. You can do this literally by practicing thoughts like, it's okay brain, we're safe, or I'm safe right now. Having some compassion for this part of your brain in the same way you would for a child who's afraid of the monster under the bed is also so, so important understanding, oh, of course my brain is afraid right now. It's trained to look for problems. It's trying to protect me. That is really important here. I've talked a lot on this podcast about processing our emotions. And what I mean by that is really putting your attention on the sensations you feel and mentally allowing them rather than resisting them. And this really is a game changer for anxiety. So notice where the sensation is and how it feels. Describe it to yourself. Is it hot or is it cold? Is it moving or is it still? Does it feel heavy or does it feel light and airy? Does it feel restricted? Just keep your attention on that sensation. and Notice how when you relax a little into its presence, the sensation itself isn't so painful you can actually totally handle it. Even remind yourself, these are just sensations. I can totally allow them to be here right now. I have another episode on how to handle your anxiety. So go and check that out if you haven't already. It goes into this in a lot more detail and it will really walk you through the process of how to make peace with those sensations. And for most of my clients, their fearful voice is often saying the same things again and again and being triggered in similar situations. 
So they'll maybe be sat watching TV with their partner and the partner will take their phone upstairs with them and their brain will suddenly say, they're hiding something and it'll trigger a surge of anxiety sensations in their body. This is just an example. So you can obviously imagine what the situation might be for you, what the triggering thing or the triggering thought might be. Maybe nothing even happens and your brain just says something that creates that experience in your body. Now, again, we need to think of this as the scared child or the person at the top of the lighthouse. They're frightened. They're terrified right now. They think they've just spotted a threat on the horizon. And getting frustrated with them is not going to help. And neither is freaking out with them and joining in the panic party. (laughs) I was coaching a one-on-one client of mine on this last week and she has a daughter herself And we were saying how if her daughter came into the room one day and was really afraid and anxious, she wouldn't just freak out and agree with all her anxious thoughts. She wouldn't be like, oh my God, you're so right. If that happens, you're screwed. Your life's going to be over. This is the most terrible thing in the world. She would listen and be compassionate and offer a calmer perspective and offer some reassurance and comfort. So what's most useful, first of all, is taking a breath and trying to understand what the voice is most afraid of. So grab a pen and paper and ask it, what's wrong, brain? What are you afraid of right now? The little voice will answer. Maybe it's, I'm afraid they're going to cheat on me. I'm afraid they're lying to me. I'm afraid they're getting bored of me. And this is the same process for things in other areas of your life too. Maybe it's, I'm afraid I'm going to get fired. I'm afraid that my boss is mad at me. Now, where a lot of people go wrong here is they then try to convince themselves that that thing will never happen, which statistically is true. The things we're worried about often don't happen. (laughs) Most of the time they don't. But try telling that to your terrified brain that is trained to be on red alert for danger. It might not even happen. Isn't the most comforting of things to say to it. (laughs) So instead, what you need to do is understand what you're afraid of if it did happen. You need to go to that scary eventuality and get curious about it. So you've written down what you're most afraid of. Now you need to ask your brain, okay, so what if that did happen, brain? Then what? What are we most afraid would happen next? Now, this could be a combination of things. So stay curious and keep writing down whatever comes up. Ask yourself, what emotion do I imagine I'd feel if that happened? And what thoughts would I be thinking? What impact do I imagine this thing having on my future? What would be the next thing that would happen after this? What you'll find is that your brain is so afraid of this thing happening because of the way it imagined you'll have to feel if it happens. This is what our brains are always afraid of. When our brains are standing at the top of the lighthouse looking out at sea, they're scanning for anything they imagine will result in you feeling a negative emotion. So maybe it's, if my partner breaks up with me, then I'll feel devastated and lonely and I'll never find somebody else. Or for a lot of my clients, it's if they cheat on me, I'll feel shameful and believe it's because I wasn't good enough and that I should have known better, I should have seen it coming and I've wasted my time. 
a recent client in my group coaching program, Master Your Relationship Mind Drama, said if her relationship ended, she'd believe it meant that she wasn't good enough, she was back at square one, and that she wouldn't have time to find another partner to have a baby with. She really wanted to have a baby. So this is why looking at what your particular anxious brain is forecasting is so important. Because in order to soothe it and be the kind, loving parent of it, you need to understand what it's so afraid of in the first place. So really get clear on the picture it's painting. Keep asking it, okay, and then what, brain? Then what? What would happen after that? And notice that very dark, gloomy picture that it's painting of the future, if that thing does happen. While your brain is believing that is the only way the story unfolds, no wonder it's terrified. So looking at each part of that scary picture and challenging it is so, so important. Because remember, if it isn't a fact, it's an optional interpretation. The thought, I couldn't handle it, is not a fact. It's an optional belief. It's not a fact that you couldn't handle it. And when you believe I couldn't handle it, you are likely filled with dread and anxiety and fear. So let's keep with the example of the client who said if her relationship ended, she'd make it mean she wasn't good enough and was back at square one and she wouldn't have time to find another partner to have a baby with. So first of all, we can totally have compassion for her brain here. Of course her brain is so afraid of her relationship ending if she believes that it's going to mean something about her worth and value and her future happiness and how happy she gets to be the rest of her life. So in our coaching session, we looked at why would she make it mean that she wasn't good enough? Because did you know that regardless of what that thing is you're afraid of happening, you actually get to decide what you make it mean about you and your future. And I'll repeat that because it's so important. Regardless of what that thing is that you're afraid of happening, you get to decide what you make it mean about you and your future. And if your brain believes your worth and value rides on this thing not happening, rides on whether this thing happens or not, of course it's obsessed and terrified that it could happen. And this is where having a coach to help you challenge your brain is so useful. So what if it didn't mean that? What else could it mean? Why would she make the choices of somebody else get to decide what she believed about herself and her worth and value as a human? In our sessions, we worked on what she would still choose to believe about herself, regardless of whether this thing happened or not, regardless of whether the relationship worked. Which, by the way, is not light work. (laughs) It takes time and a lot of brain coaching. But really questioning your brain's interpretation here is so important. I cannot stress enough. Again, back to square one. We considered in our session what that even meant. And we looked at how she felt when she made the situation of her relationship ending mean that she was back to square one. Why she was choosing to think of it in that way. She realised it wouldn't serve her at all to think of it like that if the relationship ended and that it was actually a completely optional interpretation. Your scared brain here needs you to take the wheel and guide it. It needs you to step in and be the voice of reason and show it where your power is, even if that thing does happen. 
What else could you make it mean if it did happen? What could you make it mean about you? What could you choose to think about the time you've spent together? What way of interpreting it would serve you instead of acting against you? Even the part where she said she believed it meant she wouldn't be able to have a child if this relationship ended. Her brain had a scarcity story about time, which we picked apart a little for our session. And yes, of course, biological factors are facts. We can totally look at the facts through an objective lens. This isn't about denying facts of reality. But the story, the scarcity story she had around that was totally up for debating. We looked at what her options would be if the relationship ended. Was it really true that she'd have no time to find another great partner who also wanted a child? Maybe not. She actually discovered that that probably wasn't true at all. She could totally do that. And then even if she didn't, then what? What were her options then? Whatever the circumstance is, your power is always in how you think, feel and respond to it. And even taking your brain to that worst case scenario and acknowledging how I choose to think and feel if that happened is totally up to me. If I don't have a partner and a child by this age, what then? How would I want to intentionally choose to think, feel and show up to this circumstance? Would I choose to adopt if I couldn't have children naturally? Maybe I'd choose not to and instead embrace the love I do have in my life and enjoy and love my life without a child. Obviously, I'm using this example just because it's what my client was most anxious about, but this could be something completely different for you, and that's okay. It's the same kind of thinking applies. So really look at the statements your brain is telling you are just facts if this thing happens, and call bullshit on them a little. Is that really a fact? What else could be true here that your brain isn't considering? What else could happen? Where is your power in this situation? Where is your power that your brain is just conveniently forgetting? If you were the hero of this story and this was all part of your journey, what would you do next? You have to look at that scary picture that your brain is forecasting and rewrite it. Show it a different future where you take control of your life. In my one-on-one and group coaching program, we do an exercise called And Then, which is where you start by writing down the thing you're most afraid of. For example, my partner might one day leave me. And then you write, and then. And you finish that sentence. And this is where you write the scary doom and gloom picture that your brain is forecasting. Then after questioning that scary picture a little, poking holes in it, just like we've been discussing here, You then come back and you rewrite that sentence. My partner might one day leave me and then I'd be sad, but I'd get through the pain. I'd spend time with my family and friends. I wouldn't make it mean anything about me. I'd be loving and compassionate to myself. I'd eventually get back out there and commit to finding another amazing partner. Now, believing this new shiny, happy forecast might not come easily. (laughs) That's okay. This is where being gentle with your brain and practicing what I call ladder thoughts is so important. 
So a ladder thought is a more neutral sounding thought that does feel believable to your brain. And that's important. It has to feel believable. Like if you practice thoughts that just do not feel true, that is not going to help you at all. So we want to come up with a more neutral, believable thought when your brain is struggling to believe your goal positive thought. So if your brain isn't ready for, if my partner leaves me, I will be able to go and find another amazing partner. Maybe it's open to, if my partner leaves me, it's possible I could find another human to connect with. Or it's possible I could experience the pain of a breakup and survive. Or I'm open to believing that there are people out there I have never met that I could potentially connect with. Once you've done this, you should be able to find some go-to soothing thoughts that feel a little bit better, that help calm your fearful brain when it's triggered. So make sure you have these written down. And this is all about showing your brain, maybe it's wrong about the dark, gloomy forecast it's predicting. Maybe there's another way the story ends. And maybe you're the one that gets to choose that. And so when your brain is triggered and the fearful voice is sounding the alarm, first of all, acknowledge who's talking here. Oh, this is my fearful voice at the top of the lighthouse. Or, oh, this is my scared, anxious brain. That's okay. Nothing's gone wrong. It's this little voice again. Then take a deep breath and notice where you feel the sensations. Don't fight with them and resist them. Notice them and be curious about them. Mentally be willing to feel them. For example, maybe you can say to yourself, it's okay, these are just sensations, I can totally handle them. Then speak back to that voice with the kind of calm compassion you might to a child that's afraid of the monster under the bed. Don't scold it or freak out with it. Maybe this sounds like, it's okay brain, I know you're afraid right now, but I promise that if this happens, we'll be okay. This is what we do. And then go and remind yourself of your intentional forecast. The second and then picture that you painted, where you chose how you'd think, feel and respond to that thing if it happened and the impact that this event would have on your life and your future happiness, where you took charge. Walk your brain through the future scary scenario and show it that there is another side, that you would get through it and be okay. Remind it where your power lies here and that you'll always be there to take care of it. I've written letters to my anxious brain before. (laughs) So I've literally written down, dear brain, I know you're afraid right now. It's okay, I understand. And then I've written down what I felt that scared inner child, anxious voice needed to hear from me the most. It needed to know it was safe and whatever happened, I would be there to look after it that I would be resourceful, I'd find a way through. Another great exercise would be to make a list of all the things that have happened in your life that have been hard and things that you've accomplished that you didn't think that you could or things that haven't gone to plan unexpectedly and notice how you handled them. How did you handle them? Our brains really don't give us much credit at all. Our fearful brain's biggest thinking error is its lack of belief in our resilience and ability to handle life as it comes our way. Remind your brain, I've been through things before. 
I've experienced pain. I've had things not go to plan and I've always found a way through. I've always been resilient. I've not always known instantly what to do, but I've always worked it out and I've moved through it. What if I could totally do that again? A thought I love to practice is, my brain has no idea what I'm capable of. And I think this is true for all of us. Your brain is only aware of a fraction of what you're truly capable of. And it's afraid because it's doubting your capability to handle life, to handle this thing happening, whatever it is. But what if your brain is totally underestimating you? I promise you that it is. Okay, guys, that's all I've got for you today. I hope it was helpful. If you love this podcast, then go and get on my email list. It's the best way to keep in touch with me and make sure that we don't miss each other in the future. And I'm going to put the link to that in my show notes. And I'll also put a link to my self-esteem building kit, which we talked a little bit about thought ladders and the the thought ladder technique in this episode. In that self-esteem building kit, you'll find a really detailed description of how to use that technique to help you come up with some neutral thoughts that you can believe today. So go and click and download that if you want to. And until next time, have an amazing rest of the week and be kind and compassionate to that fearful, anxious brain of yours. Bye. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 